It's the Hole in My Heart podcast, episode 36, 20-somethings and discipleship. Yes. Hello. My name is Lori Krieg. I'm here with my husband, Matt. Hello. And producer slash prayerer, Steve. (laughs) (laughs) We were just talking about before we hit record about how Steve always, he's just the prayerer before we do this podcast. So it's just his job. So hello, Steve. Welcome. Hi. Hi, Thanks. And we have a guest this week, author, podcaster, mentor, and dad. Not my dad, but a dad, (laughs) Drew Boa. Welcome, Drew. Hi, everyone. Drew, we're so glad you're here. We're going to be continuing the conversation similar to what we talked about. We began and we'll probably keep going back to this whole discipleship thing as it is Steve's prayer producer, Steve, (laughs) sorry, Pope Steve's uh, word of the year uh, is discipleship, but it's so important to all of us. So we're excited to continue the conversation. Um, But before we do that, before we dive down there, uh, well, well, we met Drew through Preston as (laughs) do most of my connections happen, Um, but we are in similar fields with discipleship. That's right. That's right, especially in the area of sexuality. Yeah. And your book, so, which is Redeeming Sexuality, right? Close, close. Dang it. It's Redeemed Sexuality, <sighs> not to be confused with Redeeming Sexuality or Redeeming Sex. Or Redeeming Love by uh, Francine Rivers. Uh, <laughs> I wasn't allowed to read till I was 18. Different genre, right? Different, very, very different. Yeah, yeah it's Hosea mostly. Um, okay, so redeemed past tense sexuality. That's right. Got it. Redeemed sexuality. This is a discipleship resource for college students who are struggling with sexual brokenness, especially porn and masturbation, which was a big part of my story. And the reason why I wrote it was because a lot of the resources out there were immature and insufficient, and we wanted something better. Love it. Excited to go there more. But first, we have to not talk as seriously, except we'll do a little (laughs) bit serious, then we'll get crazy, and then we'll go back to that. Um, But our question of the week talks about those 20s years, which perhaps this is when uh, you're alluding to, Drew, just with the whole like lostness feeling, the turning to things that aren't actually satisfying, like porn and masturbation, et cetera. Um, but how, when you guys were in your 20s, or if you are now in your, tw- how old are you, Drew? I'm sorry, I'm outing you right now. I am currently in my later 20s. Nice. I'm 26, just crossed from the 25 threshold. to 26. Your brain is fully developed at 25, so you are welcome here with your fully developed brain. So thank you for that. Congratulations yes. on your car insurance discount. Yeah. Wait, is there one? The prefrontal cortex is finally... Yeah. Yeah, having so, a party. <laughs> supposedly, car insurance goes down after you hit 25. Yeah. All so. those points get off. Okay. So how did you guys feel lost in your 20s? And if so, how? I think there was definitely a, a season of searching. I don't know if I could say that I felt lost. As I look back, I'm like, yeah, I was lost. But I think in the moment, it, was, it just felt like the general searching, like, what's my purpose? What's my goal? What's my, where is God leading me? So this came from a listener question who said, could you please talk a little more about the lostness of your 20s? Mm. And like specifically when you're not, I think when you're not married, because I think as I was Mm -hmm. just driving here, I was like, okay, because often people, especially in Christian world, get married in their like young 20s. And then it's, you're still lost, but you get on kind of this rat race of get married and then have babies. And then all of a sudden you're 40 and you have a meltdown. So it can feel, especially if you're right. <laughs> Producer Steve, Preach. Pope Steve Preach. just raised his hand. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you're like, I, all I didn't know was on a, on a roller coaster. Right. Well, I got married at 23, I think. Yeah. And so much, I didn't realize at the time that my wife and I were not on the same page about stuff that we hadn't really like worked out. And so we had to like work it out in real time, you know, Mm -hmm. the having kids and you know, uh, all of that. And I was not only lost in my twenties, I was also hiding. So imagine somebody who is lost and hiding and they, that just makes you feel even more lost. But for some reason I can't go ask somebody, please help me find out where I am, you know? And so you're hiding in the midst of all that. Yeah. That was my twenties for sure. And you think about perhaps single people who don't 
aren't maybe as able to hide in the sleepless nights that is having babies and they're like, we're married and let's post a pic and all this. And they're like, I might, maybe they feel extra loss. But when I talk with single people and I talk to married people, I am so, I I think there is a lostness, but we don't always know we're lost. And maybe the lack of a, a rat race or a gerbil wheel. That's the spinning motion. Or just I'm that doing person that you're living t- with yeah. who kind of is like holding a mirror up. You yes. Know? You don't have that yep. benefit. I would imagine if, yep. if you're single yeah. or contrast, you're staring at yourself in a mirror mm. and you're like, what? Well, I don't, I, maybe the void or the lostness feels extra palpable. Um, I know when I, before we got married and that was definitely what I felt in my young twenties is I was just like, Oh my word. You just feel like, you can just feel really lonely, which um, I don't know. Then you yeah. just you keep trying on different identities in some ways, like even job identities and things. Drew, it sounds like you're resonating out there in Santa Barbara. Yes. So Matt mentioned the question, what's my purpose? And for me, loneliness brought out the question, who are my people? Hmm. Like, where do I belong? Yeah. Because in college, I had a very clear purpose. I had a clear community and a structure for spiritual life. So also now that that's gone, how do I connect with God? Hmm. And essentially um, there's this book called the defining decade by Meg Jay, where she highlights the chasm between school life and adult life. Hmm. And in adult life, we don't know how to get an A anymore. Right. We're used to having a formula for success and for relationships and now that it's gone, we feel lost. Hmm. Yep, that makes yeah. a lot of sense. Yeah. Matt, I'm sure you're right. Well, yeah, that I've yeah, heard similar I mean, sentences. There's definitely, I, I know that once I, I, I can kind of bare knuckled my life as a person for like a year after I left college, you know, and that community fell apart, you know, everyone's moving away and everything. And so like for a year, I could kind of just grit my teeth and bear it and like, force myself to be an adult. But then it was like very quickly after that community, that, that routine of doing college and, and having, as you called it, this like set place of, of doing worship and doing life, things started to fall apart for me. And that's really when I found myself falling back into pornography, mm-hmm. you know? And so I know that that, that gap, the loss of that routine is, is definitely something that I felt very keenly. So what's the solution because I like want to give the Sunday school answer. I'm like the church or Jesus. But like I, I probably every other conversation I'm having these days with 20 somethings and just whatever people who feel this sort of void. It's like I'm down with Jesus, but the church is the worst. And so like I, I'm all I'm a big promoter of be the change you want to see in the world. I love the church. I believe Christ in the church is the hope of the world. But like the reality is the capital C church is broken and local churches are broken. And if you're someone who does wrestle with sexual brokenness, you feel like triple broke. Like I'm a 20 something. I don't feel like I value. I feel like I get diminished because I, of my age, I'm wrestling with this. And then y'all are have this mess. Like where, where can we get this belonging? This, this camaraderie, like Again, this is just the question of the week. We just keep going more and more down into these. But what is the answer? We're going to talk about it later. <laughs> <laughs> like, am I allowed I to talk say, serious yet? I, I was, I was going to say, I could yeah. just be that guy, the counterpoint, the person who, uh, you know, we're now, you're going to debunk in the heart of the matter, yeah, yeah. which is, you know what? Just find somebody, find somebody who will marry you. And plan that, you know, divorce is not an option and then get a job that you sign up for until the day you retire. Yeah. Lean to the suburbs, get into a church, Mm. try to be a deacon or something like that. And just, you know, put your nose to the grindstone and just forget about the problems. Good. (laughs) What color picket fence should I have? Uh, That is actually up to you. Oh, wow. Yeah. Choices. Yeah, exactly. I'm I'm totally kidding about all of that. I hope someone just takes that sound by. It's like, look it, this is what they're about. (laughs) That's right. Yes, please take that out of context. Okay, so we'll just set you up as the straw man to destroy later. (laughs) Yes. Or burn or... I don't really know the metaphor of the straw man. Is the point to punch him down or burn him? knock him over. Knock him over. Okay, so we'll try not to hurt you too much. There you go. So we'll talk about that more later, not just for 20-somethings, but for even if you're 32, which... 
Yep, that's me. Okay, so we are going to shift then to Goofball Island before we get back to the answer to that question. The answer. As we explore some possible answers and then knock the straw man Steve down. Man, you're getting all sorts of names that's, today. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Sorry. <It's> okay. <laughs> At least I brought you chips. Yes, thank you for that. You're welcome. We talked about chips a couple of podcast episodes right. ago. Los chips, as we call them, mm-hmm. which I think it's papas fritas, but that is actually just front the potato chips. Anyway, they're mad my favorite chips and we've made people addicted to them. These are these are tortilla. Okay. They're yeah. tortilla, but yeah. they're like spicy lime. Mm-hmm. And the more you eat, oh, you know what I'm talking about? When you get like, they're like so spicy. You're like, why am I eating this? And your eyes are crying. And your mouth is burning, but you can't stop. That's these. I'm, I've got people coming over for dinner tonight. So thank you. You're welcome. Yeah. You got your thing. Yeah. Okay. Goofball Island. We are going to take the Millennium freaking Falcon. <sighs> Correct. Matt corrected me on Falcon. Why is it Falcon? I think Falcon. Is that just too West Michigan? That's how they said it. Yeah. What? Millennium Falcon. Oh, my word. Okay. I'm going to try not to roll my eyes too hard. Oh, (laughs) my word. Oh, my word. Steve is doing like giddy arms. Is this in honor of Solo, the upcoming release of the... Lori has no idea about that, so I can guarantee you, no, it's not. So I shouldn't do my uh, Wookiee impersonation right now? Do it. Just do it. Get it out of your system. We've already had the sound effect for the Falcon. Okay. Too many sound effects. That's right. Okay. So, sorry. Very nice. Oh, my word. I am impressed. This is going to be the best episode ever. (laughs) Okay. So this or that is the game that we are playing. And so the reason we took the Millennium freaking Falcon is because, okay, would you rather have this thing or that thing? So Star Wars or Star Trek? Let's hear from Drew. And maybe he doesn't like either. I am a recent convert to Star Wars. <gasps> recent? Oh, no. Amen. Correct answer. Yep. <laughs> Other so than the, the recent new, convert? The new part? trilogy swayed me. I grew up with the bad ones that we want to forget oh, about. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's unfortunate. Ooh. Jar Jar. <laughs> Now I've uh, I've been converted. I've repented, and I am now a Star Wars fan. <laughs> is this your other book you wrote about repentance? <laughs> no, um, no, that's that's the next one. I love that. I just <laughs> that's the next one. wait for a real answer. <laughs> right, right. Okay, so uh, the other two nerds in the room. You don't even need to ask. <laughs> Star Wars, yeah. for sure. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. I'm gonna say neither. I chose to bring it up on this episode. She's pleading the fifth. <laughs> I just. <laughs> fall asleep even thinking about Star I'm surprised Wars. she didn't offer like an, an alternative like third option I like, know I'll do that definitely wears Prada actually gazing at the stars in yeah, real life the actual stars <laughs> in Gilmore Girls that's my choice stars Gilmore hollow freaking girls okay okay oh boy pancakes or waffles pancakes pancakes Belgian waffles. Oh, whoa. With, like from actual Belgium? Yes. With whipping cream. Whipping? Uh, whipped? Whipped. It'd be past tense. Whipped cream and strawberries. That's often yep. a good. It's I would just like Drew's book. Today. Just like other Drew's third Barbara, book. Uh, here, here in Santa Barbara, we have an eating disorder where we can only eat healthy food. And so <laughs> I will choose an acai bowl. And if you don't know what that is, I come here and I will buy you one. Are you not allowed to eat carbs in Santa Barbara? You can eat them, but they have to be whole grain, gluten free, really, and all that. Wait, wait. So hold on. Yeah, imagine, go. imagine you are on vacation yep. in Belgium. <laughs> then would you get Belgian waffles? Of course. Oh, okay. Okay. Imagine you are on the street in Santa Barbara with like a plate full of Leslie Nope waffles. How hard are people judging you? Hard. Like what hard. kind of, what is it like glares or is it like they pick up your plate and they smash it in your face? <laughs> no, it's very passive. <laughs> yeah. it, it's just kind of like, I'm going to look at that while I go into this coffee shop and get my avocado toast for $8. <laughs> I will cross to the other side of the street. <laughs> See? Like the Pharisee. Yeah. And their latte made only with yeah. coconut milk, right? Doesn't that make you just want to do okay. it like more? Like I'll eat two waffles. No. Am I the only rebel? Yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that kind of rebellion I can handle. I will eat a plate full of waffles. Did you just call Santa it a Barbara. rebellion because of Star Wars? <laughs> well, I mean, that is where my thought went when you said, am I the only rebel? And I was like, rebel alliance. <laughs> oh, my word. Moving on. Yes. Okay. Bacon or sausage or tofu, Drew? 
Well, the Santa Barbara answer would be tofu, but wow. I'm going to go with sausage because you can put a lot of things into a sausage and yeah. encased meats can, they can have a lot of variety. That's true. Mm. Patties or links? Ooh, links. Yeah. yeah. Mm. It's better chaw. Anybody else? Maybe some venison? Ooh. Oh, wow. Ooh, now you're, you're, you're going crazy. <laughs> Whoa. Steve, Matt? Bacon. Sorry. Yeah. Straight, like thick cut. Mm. Yeah. Thick center cut jalapeno bacon is delicious. Mm. Yeah, that is good. Yeah. I'm going to go sausage, probably like turkey sausage, links. Okay. Uh, Netflix, Hulu, Amazon. <sighs> All the above. Well, yeah. for, for video, I would go with Netflix, but I'm not going to buy a variety of products from them like I would from Amazon. Mm. That's true. true. Yeah, if we're talking just entertainment. Yes. I say Netflix because it's the only one of the three that I'm subscribed to, but yeah. I long to subscribe to Hulu and Amazon. It's my little shred of self-control and <laughs> nice. penny-pinchingness yeah. that keeps me from doing the other two. Do you just stare and watch the TV screensaver like Matt and I do and dream of Hulu? A little bit. Well, mm -hmm. I see the ads for the other shows that are yeah. available on those. And I'm like, oh, man, that looks really good. But. Yeah. It's good. <laughs> Sorry, we're still watching Parks and Rec. And I was just going to say, that Tom sounds Haverford. like Tom Haverford. Okay. Yeah. All um, right, I would say Netflix. Well, we actually subscribe to all three, so I would probably say Netflix really? for the reason that there's no commercials. Okay, that validates me. Thank you. Yeah. Oh. You can judge us, anyone yeah, who's listening. you can judge us hard. Per <laughs> usual. Four square, tetherball, dodgeball. Dodgeball. Uh, tetherball, because it's against yourself. I mean, that's the only way I've ever played it. I know that you there's you're that's supposed so to have sad. an opponent. Well, poor Steven that's Scranton. So sad. And yeah, exactly. <laughs> in Scranton by himself. Yeah. He grew up in Scranton, PA, BT dubs, true. Okay. Yes. Uh and like Napoleon Dynamite in the yes. last scene of the movie, he's just hitting that tether ball around yeah. the thing and he's like feeling so triumphant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was me. Oh. Drew. Dodgeball. Yeah. Foursquare has so many rules and the rules are always different everywhere you go. But dodgeball, kids love it, um, especially if the balls are soft enough. Nobody gets hurt. So I'm a it for that reason. I am like an anti dodgeball. I remember in elementary school, they banned it. They kept like banning it and then like bringing it back and banning it. But every yeah. time they banned it, all the like bad kids, <laughs> I call them bad kids in my head, but I was a bad kid. All the normal be, kids. <laughs> they would be like, they'd be like, oh man. I'd be like, yeah, oh man. But I was really glad because I seriously have a magnet on my face. Yeah. Anytime there is a ball that's in the air of a dodgeball, it will just smash my face. There'll be blood. It's going to be terrible. So I am against it. I was the kid <laughs> in your grade school who got hit in the face with a dodgeball. The reason it was yeah. banned. I was the yeah. I was the one petitioning. <laughs> Soda or pop? Uh, We're in Michigan. They call it pop. I told my daughter who was born in California uh, the other day, she goes, mom, what's pop? Cause we still call it soda in our house. And I was like, it's, it's soda. She goes, what pop pop. And then she digressed to like poop talk, but whatever. I think I actually stopped drinking carbonated beverages because I didn't want to have to deal with what to call it. Cause I grew <laughs> up soda. So I've been living in Michigan now for however many years for so yeah. long, all my adult life. Yeah. And I just got this inner conflict, this inner totally. turmoil. Every time. Yes. I know. I still call it soda, but it's the same sort of opposite of Santa Barbara where like, cause they judge you like, just call it pop. It's pop here in Michigan. That's so true. Oh, good job. Thank you. Yeah. How about you, Drew? Fruit smoothies. Oh my word, Santa Barbara. This is getting out of control. This is ridiculous. Fruit, seriously. So they, like, okay, let's say you're drinking a two liter of Coca-Cola, not Diet Coke, yeah. eating waffles in a park. <laughs> Oprah walks by. What happens? Also, don't forget about the sausage. Well, and the steaming. I mean, a summer it's, sausage. It's clear, it's clear that you're a tourist. <gasps> yeah. Oh, I have a fanny pack. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm taking pictures um, of everyone asking them if they're Oprah. And But Oprah is so kind, she might just give you whale-watching tickets for free. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. And then I can feed them this food? No, that's yeah. straight to jail. Straight to Santa Barbara jail. <laughs> Which is probably more comfortable than our house. Yeah, it's probably yeah. it's Oprah's basement. <laughs> okay, um, we'll do just two more. Okay, Enneagram or Myers-Briggs? I know Matt's answer. Enneagram. Yeah, what are you, Drew? Go for it. 
I am a seven. A seven. Therefore, mm. and you don't eat waffles. <laughs> this is very so. The seven oh, it's is the higher pleasure that I am drawn to. It's the what? It's the higher pleasure that I'm drawn to. Oh, okay. So there's like the need for fun. They're like usually the fun, the life of the party ones. There's also like yes, the drawbacks. Whose great sin is gluttony. I let you say it, not me. And <laughs> whose virtue is wisdom, if we can get our heads on straight. So we'll try and do that by the next segment. Uh, anyone else? Myers-Briggs, Enneagram. Matt's still rolling his eyes deeply. I, I, to be honest, I don't really have a preference. Yeah. I don't understand them very well. If your I wife know was here. because of my wife uh-huh. that I'm an Enneagram 9. Just. Um, Amen. So is that Matt. you too? Yep. You're yeah. both peacemakers. Yeah. And avoidant. What's what's the, uh, what do they call it? Not your, your that's virtue, why we but can't, your, uh, That's why we can't choose. We're avoiding conflict between Myers-Briggs and any of them. There you go. <laughs> I think you're right. And also sloth. I, I hear often that yeah. sloth is my um, vice or whatever. Yeah. So And I can't really argue. Lori, I'm a, what's your... I'm a four with a three mm-hmm. wing. I know. You, everyone's like, oh, makes a ton of sense. With, with so much beautiful darkness and also desire to perform. Yes. All that. So, yes, I am a performer. Also, you can't box me in. And I'm feeling very exposed right now. <laughs> I get why you guys mm-hmm. are nines. It sounds great right now. So, the reason why I chose the Enneagram is because, unlike the Myers-Briggs, it gives you a direction for growth. That's true. It does. Because it's like, here's your vices. Let's go yeah. somewhere else. Let's grow the you're virtue. Not com- you're not completely boxed in. I do like the Myers-Briggs as an INFJ. Not going to lie, though. Every other person I talk to says they're an INFJ, even though it's like, this is 1% of the population. And so I'm like, somebody's wrong. <laughs> Not every, or I just only know INFJs. I-S-T-J. I like that you slowly. It's like, I really have to concentrate to remember what the letters are. Me and Steve are the same person. You guys are literally the same person. Wow. Nines at ISTJs. Oh, we're going to get along. That is why we do get along. We both like Star Wars. We're ISTJs. We're, you know, peacemakers. There's some. Behold your 50 year old self. (laughs) Steve is holding his arms out, just looking at Matt like his dear son. This is what you have to look forward to. Dad? Dad. Oh, my word. There's some bromancing happening right now. This is very precious. Drew, help me right now. What is your Myers Briggs? ENFP. ENFP. Got it. So, extrovert, intuitive, feeler, perceiver. Wow. My wife. Yeah. There's a great a online article about what would happen if the 16 different Myers-Briggs types entered the Hunger Games. <laughs> so I'll let that up. Can Whoa, I, we will look that please, up later. I will link that. So <laughs> listen up. I'm, ju- I'm just going to say ENFPs are one of the first to go. Okay. So oh, I'm sure. I really need to see this. Okay, last one. I promise people, if you're fast forwarding, you just have one more minute to fast forward through the silly part to get to the heart of the matter. Batman or Spider-Man or Iron Man or Wonder Woman? Batman. Batman. Why? Because the Christopher Bale movies were so good. They were. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Also, he is the Dark Knight. There's just something (laughs) cool about that. should name it that. And he had the best villain. Yeah. Yeah. True. Joker. Right? Okay. Yeah. Uh I don't I mean like I kind of agree about Batman. The thing is I like three of the four of these. Like I could eliminate one and Who? can I just have three? Spider Man. Spider Man is kinda lame. I don't know. I mean he's just he seems like a puppy. He seems like a puppy. A little whelp of a boy. <laughs> Good job. <laughs> Thank you. I haven't yeah. said the word whelp out loud ever <laughs> till now. If Superman was on this list, I'd pick him. Yeah, I don't know why I didn't put him down. Since he's not, I go Wonder Woman because she's kind of the female Superman. She is the female Superman. I, of course, pick Wonder Woman. And I, when I watched her come through the, like, the no man's land, I was, like, weeping. I think I've talked about that on this podcast. But it was so good. She's just so brave. Yeah, I would say, and this is where we differ, Steve. I'm actually a fan of Spider-Man. Oh, really? Because oh, the be- whelp of a boy. Uh-oh, well, sorry. because he seems to has, have very like human issues. 
Yeah. Like he's got like issues with money. He's not like this super hyper powerful person with like unlimited resources. That's yeah. true. He's and so he, it's a little more approachable. For me. All right. All right. I'm sorry for calling him a whelp. I do like Oh, he's uh, compared to the other ones, he is kind of a whelp. Like, (laughs) let's face it. That doesn't mean he's not a likable whelp. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) puppies are cute. People like puppies. They're enthusiastic. They are. Yeah. Okay. We're going to get to the heart of the matter now, and we're going to talk a little bit more about Drew's book. But first, uh, the reason that we do this podcast is to talk about how the gospel is good news for everybody every day. And so, Drew, we'd love to hear about how it is good news for you. Like, when was it first good news, and um, just how is it still now? Well, earlier I talked about how a big question for me has been, who are my people? Yeah. And where do I belong? And that question for me came out of moving around a lot when I was a kid. And I moved six different times before going to college. Hmm. And I lived in Puerto Rico, Mexico, Canada, and Texas. And I, I never felt like I had strong friends or that I... I could identify with the people around me. And mm. first of all, the gospel, it gave me a community of people. It gave me the church, which although it is broken, it's a really good place for broken people like me. Mm. And I found acceptance there. I found people who came around me and loved me. Yeah. And and so the gospel became good news in giving me friends. And first of all, Jesus, the, the great friend of sinners, and it's still good news for me today because even though I am married and I have a daughter and I'm living in beautiful Santa Barbara, I still feel lonely and I still mm-hmm. feel my need for for the good news that God is with me and I have brothers and sisters who can be my friends. I love that. And I, sorry, but it's making me think of Spider-Man. Like, it's just kind of, I love hearing how people are still in need of Jesus. Like the past tense testimonies have their place, but I love how you're like, even though I eat acai bowls, I still yeah. need Jesus. And, and like even wrestling with loneliness now that you're married and have a daughter, mm-hmm. right? That's right. Yeah. Um, and can we just lean in real quick? And and then I want to talk about just mentorship and just your passion about that. But just kind of answering the earlier question about the 20 somethings and you just alluded to the brokenness of church. Um, but I, I, if you can imagine doing the job we do talking about sexuality and, uh, and, and God's design for it and just kind of being this bare, like, Z level Christian, quote unquote, famous type person where people recognize me around here at times. It is hard to be in church because everyone has an opinion, not just about your job, but about your whole person. And so there have been times where Matt and I, I've begged Matt, I'm like, please, can we just not go to church anymore? And, um, or like at least go to a different one or do something. And we just prayed, prayed, prayed. And I really, I just want to encourage you guys, like the church is the hope of the world and to be that change that you want to see. And I just pray and I was like, I am going to ignore some pieces. I'm going to lean into other pieces and I am going to get my hands dirty with the grit of this church. And it is painful. And not everyone smiles at me every Sunday. Like it hurts to be honest with you, but I'm also, we are also seeing some beautiful things happen there. So I just wanted to lean in there. Um, if anyone else has any thoughts on that, just to kind of answer some of that question before we move more into mentorship, discipleship. Well, here's a bridge. Um, the church puts us in touch with people who can, even though they're broken and we're broken, who can mentor us. Hmm. And a mentor, especially for people like me in our 20s who are feeling lost, can give us something to aim for, someone to become like, Hmm. a source of support and challenge and truth, and also hope for what our lives can be like Hmm. not just in terms of years, but in terms of decades. A mentoring relationship can give us goals and help set healthy expectations and 
keep us engaged, a place to ask our questions, a place to come with our frustrations and our criticisms, and and a mentor can can handle that and help us work through them rather than give up and throw in the towel and isolate ourselves even more. So how do you do that? So let's say you're in church and like, all right, fine, I'll give it a try. And maybe there's maybe the whole thing. If I look at the church collectively, it seems like ugh, mm-hmm. too hot of a mess for me in my situation to, to, to deal with. But maybe you see someone there and you're like, hmm, I don't know. I admire them. Like, what what do you look for? And, and Drew, what did you look for? Like, how, how did mentorship play a role in your life? And, and what can we look for if we're looking for that person to, to maybe uh, embody the church a little more, personify it more individually? Well, the mentors in my life, they're the only reasons why I've gone through sexual recovery and found freedom and healing. They're the only reasons why I was able to publish a book. Yeah. And they're the reasons why I'm still involved in a local church, even though it doesn't really feel like home for me. But Mm. they gave me this vision that the church is the bride of Christ and she's really sick and she's unfaithful, but he's committed to her. Mm. And so we are too, because... If we're in the family, we're going to be with these people forever, whether we like it or not. Yeah. And so we're we're getting used to that. But so mentors have have done a lot for me, um, and I found that the the person you want to look for is the one who you want to be, the kind of person that you wish you were, your your role model. And unfortunately, adults will rarely pursue others, mm. especially people who you think, hmm, I could be your mentor, but we love to be pursued. Mm. And this is true for me too. If there's a guy who is coming to me, who's consistently trying to spend time with me, get a meal, I'm super receptive. Mm. But if he says that and he doesn't follow up, I'm not going to seek him out because I don't know if he's serious. So the best way... What's the follow-up look like? So it's like, he's like, hey, I'd love to hang out sometime. And you're like, yeah, awesome. You're like waiting for them to to like say, right. let's put, let's put a time to this. Exactly. To send a text, send an email, start the conversation and don't make it formal because one of my greatest mentors, his name is Dan. Um, I asked him in a very solemn, serious way, will you be my mentor? Mm-hmm. And he said, no, hmm. it put way too much pressure on the situation. He was super busy and he ended up doing it anyways because I just kept asking him to eat lunch and go for Mm -hmm. walks. Mm -hmm. So people, people will respond to less formal, consistent, easy ways to hang out. Okay. So I hear you speaking from the, the role of the 20 something who's like, okay, I'm giving this church thing a try. I see someone that I admire um, and, and they maybe like go up to them and they say, Hey, can I like get coffee with you and like, just pick your brain. And so you're saying as the 20 something or however old, like looking for a mentor, uh, you, you're saying, keep it like hold, hold your end of the bargain be like, okay, I'll follow up with you. And then as the mentor, what, what, what role do they play or what characteristics do they need? You want to have somebody who has mutual interests and passions to you, who's Christ-like, who's honest and kind, um, somebody who will listen well and not just talk at you the whole time. Because mm-hmm. when you ask someone, hey, can I come pick your brain and they preach a sermon to you, that's not going to be nearly as helpful as somebody who knows the right questions to ask. And right. also who believes in you mm-hmm. and who actually can see the potential that you want to reach. Mm-hmm. Can I, can I jump in here real quick? Because there's, there's a couple things that, I mean, when you're talking, Drew, you, you've talked about like how you don't feel like home. You, mm-hmm. you, don't, you still don't feel home, yet, yet when you're talking about these mentoring relationships, you say like they pointed you to like the purpose of, of like your role in the body. And so would you say that they like gave you a, a direction? Like, you know, when you talk about being lost, it's like you're not at the place where you want to be. You know, right. And so is it, 
do you find that in these mentoring relationships that the main thing that you got out of them was like a direction and purpose for your life, even though you still would say you don't necessarily feel like home? Yes, definitely. And because we're not in school anymore, we don't have that clear direction. Right. And so a mentor can not only give you that direction, but also walk with you in that direction and support you as you go there. Okay, how do you take the conversation from, hey, let's get coffee. I just would like to pick your brain. And let's just say you start asking these questions. You start asking and, and you're assessing. Are they listening? Are they uh, not sermonizing me? But are they like um, offering some some advice? They're they're casting this vision of, of a person that I want to be like. How, like, how do you take it from that cash conversation to be like, I would like to meet with you again, or kind of like the awkward, I like you. <laughs> do you like me? Like, what's that yeah, conversation yeah. like? You know, it is awkward at first, and it, it will be. But you figure out what the mentor likes to do. <laughs> and then you start doing that with them. So you like ask them, you're like, hey, can we hang out again? And you're like, let's hang out. Again, would that be okay like that? Uh, yeah, I mean, as simple as that. And if they seem really excited, then maybe there's potential there. I mean, you kind of have to trick them into mentoring you. <laughs> okay, okay, wait, wait. But when do you reveal the ploy? Like at what point <laughs> do you say- You've been my mentor. <laughs> <laughs> I've learned from you, <laughs> Jedi master, huh? No, I don't know. Well, yeah, I mean, affirmation is huge. Like, hey, we have been getting together- about every two weeks or every month for the last year. I want to tell you what role you've played in my life. Let me tell you what God did through you, whether you knew it or not. Wow. And that lets the person know that they're doing something really awesome that they weren't even trying to do. And those mentoring relationships that I talked about before, even though I don't live there anymore, I know I can call them at any time because they've seen how unlike some of the people they're actively trying to minister to, mm -hmm. I've been eating up everything they've been saying, everything they've been telling me to do. And so they're happy to, to get together or to talk because they know that it's going to have an effect. Hmm. Okay, let's shift gears a little bit. It's very interesting. Uh, you wrote a book when you were getting your master's at Wheaton. And um, this, this was a, was this a project? Did it begin as a project yeah. and then you just ended up publishing it? There was a period of two years between those two stages. But yes, this started out as a school project and it ended up as a book published. That is awesome. Hmm. If only all of us could end up that way, I'd say, as I'm working with publishers. Anyway, so... Okay, so let's say here you are, this 20-something in church, you're kind of dating a mentor and you're learning things from them. But let's say you're like, I have this stuff going on. Let's say they are wrestling with pornography, whatever version of it. And they're like, I really want to deal with this. You wrote a curriculum, like a group curriculum. What, like, what are they going to get from engaging in this curriculum? But before we even go there, how would they go about being like, hey, homies, let's get together and chat about this let's do this deep heart work. Like, how do you do that? You know, that's quite a distinct thing from, from finding a mentor at your church. Yeah. Because, um, one of the main, one of the main qualifications of a mentor is that they've been on the journey that you want to go on. Right. They've been down that road before. And so therefore they can take you along mm -hmm. and show you how to get there. And so, when you are starting to wade into the waters of your sexual brokenness, you want to make sure that this mentor has been there mm -hmm. and has experienced the kinds of things that you're experiencing. Mm -hmm. And the closer your experience lines up with your mentor's experience, the better fit it's going to be. And so the same thing goes for a small group getting together to do this. Mm -hmm. So obviously the, the closer the fit, the more alike your stories are, the, the more quickly that like bridge of understanding is built. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, but is there a danger and only looking for someone who has a shared experience as a mentor? Are you, are you limiting yourself too much when there may be people out there who, 
who may be able to speak very with a lot of wisdom into what you're going through, even though they maybe have not personally gone through the exact same thing. It's certainly possible, but it's not always going to be the case. And you have a better chance of getting that wisdom, of getting what you need to hear from somebody who has been somewhere closer to where you've been. Mm. So for me, growing up, moving around a lot, um, none of my mentors have had that experience. But then again, that wasn't the focus of our relationship, so it didn't matter. Hmm. Was yours usually like in this area of like sexual brokenness? Like, was that usually the common denominator? For that, I specifically would always be in a small group with somebody who was going through the same thing hmm. and who was available to pray with me whenever I needed. Yeah. And let, let me just clarify something. If you're thinking about finding a mentor, it doesn't have to be just one person. You can have a team, you can have a squad, you can have a, a Justice League or an Avengers <laughs> group of different mentors who all have these different superpowers who you can learn from and who can help you in different areas. And so I think this question has brought up one-on-one -on -one mentoring, it's brought up small groups. They can all be a part of this bigger picture. Yeah, well, and it, it should be because it's not like the finger of Christ, it's the body of Christ. So I love that yes. clarification. Thank you for making that because I think it's so easy. Like if we're like, oh, I want to be just like you. And then we can kind of addict ourselves to that person and, be, right, and right. get relatively codependent on them um, in the sense that we're like, oh, I just, it's you, you're the only one when that's not true. It's Jesus is the first and only and the filler, but like people can represent. I love that idea of like a justice league of like different super powers that people have. Um, so I do want to spend just a couple more minutes just talking about your book. And like, let's say people are like, hey, I got a small group of people who, you know, we all know we, well, all of us are human. So we have sexual brokenness. Um, what What's this study going to do if they, they walk it together? This study is decidedly different from a 12-step recovery approach. Hmm. I think a lot of people in our generation are less drawn to formulas that sound like easy solutions or quick fixes for right. sexual brokenness. Mm -hmm. So that's not the focus of this study. It's about developing Christ-like character in three areas. Vulnerability, identity, self-awareness, and intimacy. And if you go through redeemed sexuality, the focus is going to be on those three things, ongoing deep into our own stories, into our own realities and opening them up to each other, learning who we are in Christ and how that makes a difference in our sexuality, and then growing in healthy intimacy in strong friendships and healthy relationships, rather than just trying to avoid the bad stuff, pursuing the good things that Jesus has called us to. Amen. Kind of speaking our language over here. Yeah. <laughs> Literally, uh, that's what I said. So when you sent me like a, or I, I downloaded your book before we had our initial conversation, Drew, I was like, this is a brother from another mother. And so just reading through, I was like, okay, he gets our language in that it's not like, here's the formula, but no. it's like, pursue God, link arms with each other. Mm -hmm. We're all busted. Let's look at Jesus. Yeah. yeah. Which and, it's exactly. not, and it's not this theology of no, just don't do that. Yes. You, you have to look at that that better thing that whatever you're ultimately, yes, also wanting to avoid is is actually getting the way of you attaining. And what you, you said another interesting thing, like you, you broke it into the the three sections where you're where you're trying to create, cultivate Christ likeness. And you said vulnerability, identity, and shoot, what was the third one? Drum intimacy. One. Intimacy. There we go. Um and actually, one of the ones that's really stuck out to me very, very strongly recently is this idea of vulnerability. Um, can can you speak a little bit more into that? Into like why, like, that's yeah. not something you often hear a lot of people talk about, Christ-like vulnerability. But it is, I think, very important. Yeah. And I want to distinguish vulnerability from transparency. Hmm. Transparency is basically a way of being honest and telling somebody what's true about me or what's going on inside, vulnerability 
comes from Latin vulnus of weakness of injury. It's like I am opening myself to the possibility of getting hurt mm-hmm. by the level that I'm sharing. And by opening myself to the possibility of getting hurt, I'm also creating space for healing to take place. There it is. There it is. And so that, it's terrifying. Yeah. It's absolutely yeah. excruciating to to talk about the things that I don't like about myself. Yeah. The ways that I'm not okay. The areas of shame and sin. Um, the real thoughts, my fears, my hopes that may or may not be fulfilled. And yet that's where the breakthrough to real heart work and authentic community takes place. Yeah. Well, and that's, and that's like very recently the the idea of confession has really been something that I've latched onto because there's often this, this very fearful stance when it comes to confession, you know, and I, as a counselor, I work with a lot of guys who are struggling with pornography or sexual issues. And there's always the question of, you know, how do I tell my wife? When do I tell my wife? Should I tell my wife? And, and it's always this idea of, well, if you're not going, if you don't confess, and, and obviously there's the desire to have the wife be like a safe person. And so if it doesn't start with a confession to her, you should start with a confession to so, like someone else who is trustworthy, you know, yeah. but it's like the idea that this confession isn't about just a slap on the wrist. It's about, it's almost like a sacrament. It's, it's yeah. one of the avenues through which the grace of God is extended to us. And, Amen. and that's been kind of just this mind blowing thing. And so it's really, really cool. I'm, I'm excited actually now to read the book cause I haven't, I haven't been able to. And, and so I'm just really excited to pick it up and be able to hear some more of your thoughts on it. Yeah. Awesome. It's- One of the chapters is on confession and on effective confession because confession by itself doesn't transform anyone just alone. Sometimes guys think by saying, hey, I messed up this week or I failed yesterday, that that's going to accomplish a real transformation. When I, what I lay out is a framework for how to get below the surface to actually gain momentum and get from confession to repentance. Hmm. Matt and I were talking about this this week, and this is where we'll land the plane, but I'm always like, Matt, what are you thinking about? What are you, I, I just like it. This is always digesting and it's so cool to hear it in you true to Drew. There we go. Uh, but how shame, we always quote Dan Allender and how he says is an interpersonal affect. It requires the presence of another for its blow to be felt. So we feel, we don't feel shame picking our nose by ourselves in our house. But as soon as someone sees us, when we do it in our car, we're like, <laughs> like you feel like an idiot. And so you were saying to me, Matt, uh, we were just talking about this because I was like, do you need to confess? Do we have to? And this whole idea of sacrament, you're like, you don't have to, but I really think in order for the shame to be removed, it also requires a person to look at you and be like, I still love you. I see you. I care about you. And then it's like that removes this shame so that more of Christ's love can get through. So right. there's that. I feel like this kind yeah, of yeah. so important. That's so important to actually confess to a real person and also to a safe person. Yes. Which we talk about that here too fairly often, like what are signs of safe people? Um, it feels like the conversation is just getting rolling with you, Drew, and I'm super excited as far as like to be able to to resource people, um, not only with the what would happen if all the 16 types of the Myers-Briggs fought in the Hunger Games, but to your outstanding resource that you wrote, um, I'm happy to, to, to refer people there and link you guys there. Um, but we are going to wrap things up here. Uh, next week, we're actually not going to have a podcast. I'm going to be in Boise. You know, you don't say Boise like a Z. If you're from there, you have to say the Boise. So really? Yeah, that's mm-hmm. a thing. Uh, in Idaho uh, with Preston, et cetera, doing another leaders forum and in a board meeting out there. Um, and then in two weeks, we are actually going to have Rosaria Butterfield on this podcast, which some of you who are listening might be like gasping and being like, What? Lori, I thought you were more moderate in this conversation. And um, she she can be more conservative. And um, I'm just going to say to y'all, I know. I hear you. And and I am going to intentionally over the next several weeks, because we know we've had Greg Coles on here and Nate Collins and Preston will be on here. I am 
to be honest with y'all, very tired of the fighting that I have seen back and forth as far as in the LGBT conversation. So everyone believes the same theology, the historical Christian view. And then there's just this like blog war, this back and forth. And the only winner in that battle is Satan. So I really don't want to just talk about how the church is the hope of the world and how it's bleeding and hurting and and then to just add to the bloody mess. And so am I going to have everyone on here? No, but I, um, Rosaria and I have had some Skype conversations and it's been Um, It's been helpful for clarifying, just being like, okay, this is what I thought you believed and this is this. So I'm really excited to talk about her new book, which is actually on hospitality. Um, And so we're going to be doing that. So if you have any thoughts on that, feel free to to let me know. But just know I'm, I'm aware and I really want to be a promoter of oneness and unity, especially if we all agree on the big picture theology. Okay, got a little passionate about that. Um, So the question of the week that we're going to be talking about actually in two weeks uh, with hospitality is what what did you what did you think of that word growing up? Like I feel like maybe I just hear it kind of just in charity and let's be hospitable at Christmas and I don't know you like go and do things. So let's let's talk about that. We'd love to hear y'all's thoughts on uh, what does it mean what did what did that mean for you growing up? Um, And then we'll do a deep dive into the heart of the matter. Um, But Drew, thank you so much for being on this podcast. Uh, We really appreciate your work. And um, even though you'll judge us when we go and visit you maybe sometime with our waffles and summer sausage (laughs) and never exercising. (laughs) Uh, No, I do. (laughs) Anyway, we, we, we are just so glad to chat with you. And thanks for challenging us in so many ways. And we hope to continue the conversation with you. Yeah, thanks everyone. And feel free to reach out to me through email at andrewaboa at gmail.com. Yes, awesome. And I will, I'll write that down too, guys, if, if I forgot, like I can. Uh, anyway, thank you so much for listening. For all of us here at the Hole in My Heart podcast, we'll talk to y'all in a couple of weeks. Hey, thanks again for listening. And thank you for subscribing and for your positive ratings and reviews of the Hole in My Heart Ministries podcast. Uh, Those reviews, along with you just telling people, uh, that'll really help us reach more listeners. Again, we want to say thank you to today's guest, Drew Boa. His book is Redeemed Sexuality. You can find out more at andrewboa.com. And of course, you can contact us anytime at himhministries.com.